listening to the Citizens Podcast from Citizens Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Well, good evening and welcome to Good Friday here at Citizens. And we're gathered here to remember the darkest day in the history of the world. The day that Jesus was murdered, fully man, and also the eternally perfect God. He was killed on a hill called the Skull, outside the walls of Jerusalem, the holy city, around 33 AD. And this day has profound implications for your days now, but also for all your days to come. How you see the death of Christ will radically alter your priorities, your goals, the aim of your life including how you will spend eternity. See, Jesus had spent three years preaching and teaching and healing and loving and relating and eating and friendshipping and meeting all sorts of people all around Israel. But on this Holy Week, he enters Jerusalem on a Sunday. He teaches every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at the temple grounds. A plot is hatched. One of his very own and Judas, one of the twelve, has decided to take some money and betray Jesus over to the chief priests and the authorities to have him arrested. They go to dinner that night anyways. There's an upper room. They eat a Passover dinner, including a cooked lamb. Jesus decides to wash his friend's feet to take the position of a servant. Feet were disgusting in that day from all the walking. And as they talked and they ate, and Jesus eventually institutes communion, shows us that ritual, Judas leaves. After dinner, Jesus becomes so distraught that they withdraw to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus begins to pray to His Father like this, verse 41 And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. The time between the Last Supper till Jesus breathing his last breath will be less than 24 hours. The lamb will still be in his stomach as he becomes the Passover lamb for us. This sweating blood is a medical condition found in the ancient world and modern where the body expresses such extreme stress where the capillaries under the skin begin to burst and the excess blood begins to leave the sweat gland ducts of our body. See, Jesus wasn't going to just die an excruciating death on the cross, the ultimate torture weapon of the ancient world. Jesus was about to bear the weight of the sins of the entire world in his body. The guilt of every murder, the shame of every perverted lust, Every lie, every bullying, every discrimination, every stealing and cheating and genocide. And most of all, he would bear the great sin, the greatest of sins, 
our unbelief, our turning from God, but even our turning against God, that we became rebels. But this was the plan all along. In Isaiah 53, 6, 500 years earlier, before Jesus would walk the earth, Isaiah the prophet said this, We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity, a fancy word for big sin, sin of us all. This was the plan that God was the baby born to die and that one day he would die. And later, one of his followers, Peter, he would put it like this in 1 Peter, second chapter, verse 24, quoting the same longer Isaiah passage about Jesus' death. Peter says, He, Jesus, bore his, our sins in his body on a tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed. And we see so clearly Jesus is going to the cross for a purpose. He's going for us. Jesus came to spiritually heal us, to bring us back to life with God. To do this, Jesus must be fully man. You got to be a man to die. You have to be able to die to be a sacrifice. And he does it in our place. And that's how you can know, church, that all the pain of your life that you feel, Jesus can sympathize with you and even empathize with you. There's no pain that you feel that Jesus has not felt. He's a God you could actually draw all the way near. All the loss you've experienced, Jesus has too. But Jesus is also fully God able to actually be a substitute for the sins of the whole world. And while the cross will kill Jesus physically, the full wrath of God due for our sins will crush Him spiritually. And this is how our salvation is made. Our sin is so great that God had to die for us in Jesus Christ. But the love of God is so great for us that Jesus would be willing to die for us. We see at no point is Jesus resisting. He doesn't resist his arrest. He doesn't stop Judas. He doesn't argue points before the high priest. He doesn't go back and forth with Pilate in any real way. Instead, like a sheep led to slaughter, he goes. Jesus is arrested in that garden. He's taken in the middle of night over to the a house for a sham trial. They say he's called himself God and that deserves death. They bring him to Pontius Pilate in the morning. They put political pressure on Pontius Pilate that Pontius Pilate should be kill Jesus. And this brings us to the actual moment of Christ's death, the crucifixion itself. Verse 32, two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. The criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus crucified begins to bleed out just like any man, just like the common criminals next to him. He's nailed through his palms and again through his feet with the same very nails that he would have used, the same type of nail. He would have used as a carpenter all the days of his life. 
Jesus' body would have ached under his weight or this tiny pieces of metal hanging him. It would have gone harder and harder to lift up and breathe. That's how you would die on a cross, through asphyxiation. So exhausted you could no longer pick up your body from the hanging to breathe. It was quite literally designed to take every ounce of life out of a human being to the last drop. That's where we get that word excruciating from the crucifixion. But look at Jesus' amazing words in verse 34. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. At Jesus' lowest point physically, it can get no lower. He's shrouded in pain. He's breathing out life to his quite literal murderers. He's not relieving them of guilt. He's not relieving them of responsibility. But he is speaking that this is a Savior who forgives sinners. This is a Savior who calls enemies friends. That calls people far from God close to himself. He's here to die for us. Jesus is not bitter at the cross. He's being crushed because he loves us. Have you ever wondered if there's enough mercy for you too? That if they knew that thing from high school, that if God knew it all and he does, then maybe there's not quite room for me. Maybe all the times you've said, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, follow you, Jesus, it hasn't worked out. Let me tell you, if God can be dying on a cross and the man Jesus Christ and cry out, Father, forgive them, then there's mercy for you in this Messiah. There's more than enough mercy for you. Jesus is taking on the sins of the world not to make us feel guilty, but to actually set us free. That's the gospel of grace. It's not that Jesus did so much, so we better get it together. It's that Jesus dies for us, takes our place to set us free to live a whole new life with God. Free, forgiven, forever. The characters in the story give us three different ways to react to the crucified man, to the man hanging on a cross. The first way is the guards and the religious authorities, and they see Jesus as nothing. Verse 34, and they cast lots to divide his garments. The people, the crowd stood by watching. The ruler scoffed at him saying, he saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ, it's a word for Messiah of God, the chosen one. Soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. Jesus is another brick in a wall to the guards, likely foreign soldiers, just another execution of a local. Don't care. It's just my job, man. Jesus is just another troublemaker to get rid of for the religious authorities. He's been a real pain for three years. He keeps telling us about our religion. Steal his clothes? Why not? Beat him almost to death? Why not? 
You can only insult, spit, and torture someone to death if you think a person's nothing. They're playing games while he screams in agony over him. Think about the evil it takes to do that to a person. When we treat Jesus like nothing, we're choosing to be blind to our sin, blind to our need for God, choosing not to see Jesus on a cross, and choosing not to listen to Jesus' very words. When we say Jesus is nothing, we do it by ignoring who Jesus was, is, done, and said. There's a second way to see Jesus as something, and that's the first criminal. Verse 39, one of the criminals who who were hanged railed against him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. And the first criminal knows there's something about Jesus. He knows Jesus is famous. He half mocks. He half asks for He half asked for power. He's asking Jesus to get me out of this. Get me out of this situation. There's no repentance for his crimes. There's no humility. There's no ask for salvation. There's no awareness that he's under a just, harsh penalty. Just, yet Jesus is under an unjust penalty. He wants Jesus for how Jesus could help him today. He doesn't want Jesus for Jesus, and he's looking to live, but not to live a life with God that Jesus offers. And it's important, church. Jesus is a Messiah. He's not a magician for hire. He's not someone just to get us out of a jam. And sadly, I think many people fall here today. They treat Jesus as sort of a holy, spiritual man and a magician to help them live their best life. Well, life is still about them. But not receive Jesus as the Savior and Lord that He is. In the something view, Jesus is not God, but a good spiritual guy to call on when things are bad, but not to save us from sin. The second criminal shows us the third way to see the death of Christ. Look at verse 40 with me. But the other rebuked him. He's rebuking the other criminal, saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? He's pointing out, we're all going to die, man. And you are kind of mocking someone you at least think is famous and holy. It's not a great call. We are hours, maybe minutes from our own death. And whatever you believe happens next, we're probably going to get there real soon. Do you not fear God? And we indeed justly are suffering for we receive the due reward for our deeds but this man's done nothing wrong and he said jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom there's this rebuke he sees that jesus is not nothing he is not something but jesus must mean everything if this is man and god in the man jesus christ then he must mean everything. And the second criminal responds rightly. He asks for eternal life. If this is the king who's bringing a kingdom, then I should ask to be let in. This is my last chance. I'm also on the torture device. 
He doesn't just want off the cross. He knows he deserves for what he has done. He knows Jesus doesn't deserve it. And he wants redemption to take Jesus for all that Jesus is. To take Jesus as your everything means nothing matters more than Jesus. He becomes the aim, the goal, the leader of your life. Jesus doesn't follow us around. We follow Jesus and his ways through this life. And Jesus croaks out with blood filling his mouth the most beautiful of responses in verse 43. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. What did that criminal do to deserve salvation? Nothing. Did Jesus have any hesitations about letting in a criminal? Nope. With as much joy as he can croak this thing out, he accepts this man who's hours from death hanging on a cross with a full hope that indeed Jesus is here to save sinners. Therefore, Jesus is here to die for sinners, including criminals who have nothing to give, no good deeds to do, no good works, no, I turn my life around stories. He's just a guy hanging on a cross with the, with the crows gathering to peck at his body. Jesus does it all. There is nothing we can do to save ourselves. The criminal could do nothing to save himself. He turned and repented and trusting Jesus. And it's the same for us. That's the gospel of grace. That the gospel is bought not by our hard work, not by our changed life, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ and nothing else. That's what makes Friday good. That while Jesus was murdered, it was always the plan and his purpose was to save. In church, there's a power in the blood. You cannot save yourself, but Jesus sure can. And Jesus wants to. But I want to turn our attention to one more group mentioned earlier. It's the crowd. Verse 35, and the people stood by watching. We have to ask, where's the crowd at on all this? Is Jesus nothing? Is he something? Is he everything? We aren't really told. We're told in verse 48, they leave devastated by the scene. By the end of this whole display, the sun gets blotted out and Jesus declares it is finished, screaming in agony and dies. They have a sense that something has happened. But the crowd is left without explanation. It's meant that we should see ourselves as the crowd too. That our story is not yet final. You've heard about Jesus probably more than once, but definitely right now. And you have to make a decision. Is Jesus nothing? Is he something? Or is he, as the Bible tells us, everything? Inaction, indecision, simply won't work. Indecision is just a slow motion answer that Jesus is nothing and doesn't deserve my response. If you are a Christian tonight, 
whom Jesus is everything. I invite you to mourn. I invite you to remember that it was our sin, your sin, the world's sin that hung Jesus there. That he died for you and died because of your sin to bring us salvation. And salvation is a thing to celebrate. And we will celebrate big on Easter. We will be big and rowdy and fun and have a great time. Because Jesus rises from the dead meaning our salvation is secured and we have life with God in paradise forever. But the joy of Easter is much sweeter if we can pause to remember the bitterness of our sin. Remember the bitterness and pain of the penalty of death and prepare our hearts to celebrate it. My hope is that the depths of our sin would magnify the greatness of God's grace towards you. And then you let Easter always be a season of renewal in your life to let the gospel go a real little deeper that I need Jesus a little more and Jesus is a little greater than I believed. And the cross in between those things gets bigger and bigger and bigger as the years roll by. If you're not a Christian tonight, if you find yourself, maybe Jesus is nothing, maybe Jesus is something, I beg you, Do not be a spectator of dead Jesus on a cross. Instead, be saved by the king who died for his people and came back from the dead three days later. If you have ears to hear, if you can see your sin tonight, if you can see your great need for God in Christ, I plead with you to see your great salvation in Jesus. Don't leave tonight not knowing if Jesus is your everything. Is he your hope in life and death? Is he your highest prize? Is he the kind king of your life? The last word on your life doesn't have to be your sin. The last word on your life can be Jesus's sacrifice. You can dwell in paradise with God forever. You've been listening to the Citizens Church Podcast. Special thanks to Murphy DX, who recorded our theme music. If you'd like to learn more about Citizens Church in Birmingham, Alabama, you can visit us on our website at citizensbhm.com or on the usual suspects, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.